Welcome to the Arlington Street Church podcast. Founded in 1729, Arlington Street continues today as a gathering place for progressive people of faith in the greater Boston area and beyond. We are located at the corner of Arlington and Boylston Streets, across from the Public Garden in Boston, Massachusetts. Please visit ASCBoston.org for more information about this historic Unitarian Universalist congregation. Arlington Street Church, gathered in love and service for justice and peace. After the Buddha became enlightened, Buddha means one who is awake, he gave his first sermon laying out the foundation of the teachings on which he would build for the next 45 years. The four noble truths, he said, concern the nature of suffering. To be alive in a body is to suffer. The cause of suffering, suffering is caused by attachment. The possibility of being liberated from suffering, there is a cure. And the cure is the Eightfold Path of Liberation, which includes right view, right intention, right speech, right action, right livelihood, right effort, right mindfulness, and right concentration. So the path is not a progression of steps, one after the other, but it is a way to live a happier, more generous, and freer life. So officially, even though there is no first or last step, when reciting the Eightfold Path, we always start with right view. In Buddhism, view is an interpretation of experience that shapes our thoughts and actions. There's an expression I love. We say that so-and-so gave me the view. It means that someone compelled us to look with fresh eyes and see things differently. I cherish an early memory of being given the view from the time I was 20 years old, riding the subway to school in Tokyo, reading American author Annie Dillard's Pilgrim at Tinker Creek. These words leapt from the page. One day she writes, I was walking along Tinker Creek and thinking of nothing at all, and I saw the tree with the lights in it. I saw the backyard cedar where the morning dove's roost charged and transfigured each cell buzzing with flame. I stood on the grass with the lights in it, grass that was wholly fire, utterly focused, and utterly dreamed. It was less like seeing than like being for the first time seen, knocked breathless by a powerful glance. The flood of fire abated, but I'm still spending the power. Gradually, the lights went out in the cedar, the colors died, the cells unflamed and disappeared. But I was still ringing. I had been my whole life a bell and never knew it at that moment until at that moment I was lifted and struck. I have since only very rarely seen the tree with the lights in it. The vision comes and goes, mostly goes, but I live for it. For the moment the mountains open and a new light roars in spate through the crack and the mountains 
slam. To be given the view is to be gifted with seeing clearly. When the Buddha taught about right view, he was also exhorting us to become more aware of what we think and why. To be discerning about our opinions and to place them on foundations of truth. But, and this is important, right view doesn't mean there's only one way to see something. One of the most endearing qualities of Buddhism comes from the Buddha's final teaching on the full moon in May of 543 BCE. He exhorted the monks gathered at his deathbed to work out their own salvation. Be ye a lamp unto yourself. In other words, don't take my word for any of this. Unitarian Universalism wholeheartedly embraces this teaching. Work out your own understanding and your own faith. We say, live by the light of your own light. In sixth grade, I made friends with a new kid seated next to me in homeroom, but struggled to understand her surety of faith and the assurance she found in it. And then I had discovered American poet E.E. E. Cummings. He wrote, no time ago, or else a life, walking in the dark, I met Christ Jesus. My heart flopped over and lay still while he passed as close as I'm to you. Yes, closer, made of nothing except loneliness. Suddenly, I understood my friend's deep sense of dislocation and her longing for connection. E.E. E. Cummings gave me the view. Many people come to prayer, meditation, or mindfulness practice, sitting down, focusing on our breath, quieting our minds, in order to calm down. But the point isn't just to calm down. The point is that a quiet mind sees clearly. Right view is also known as right understanding. When Zen teacher Lou Richmond was a student, he asked, if I do this practice, will I get enlightened? And his teacher, Zen master Shunryo Suzuki said, if your practice is sincere, it's almost as good. In other words, if our quiet time is filled with conceit, striving, aversion, we will not be free. But if our quiet time is devoted to quieting our minds, seeing clearly, and deep understanding, we will be more peaceful, more spacious, and more free. Three years ago, our own Paul Dakin's husband, Jay Michelson, was published in the foreword on the 20th anniversary of the death of two young friends of his in a bus bombing in Jerusalem. Matt and Sarah were students studying and working for peace. Jay describes reading a newly published anthology of their essays, Love Finer Than Wine, and says he found their kindness and intelligence almost too much to bear.
For some time after their deaths, Jay was consumed by tremendous rage and despair. Ultimately, he realized that these wild emotions, he said, clouded my better judgment and made me the kind of person I was supposed to be against. Despite his grief, he writes, I refuse to dishonor the memory of my friends by becoming a lesser person. How do we go on? We take up the torch that has been passed to us and bear the light, be the light. J. Michelson gave me the view. Vietnamese and teacher Thich Nhat Hanh wrote, our happiness and the happiness of those around us depends to agree our degree of right view. Touching reality deeply, knowing on what is going on inside and outside of ourselves is the way to liberate ourselves from suffering that is caused by wrong perceptions. Right view is insight into the reality of life, a living insight that fills us with understanding, peace, and love. My sainted, though politically conservative, grandfather was almost certainly appalled by the year I spent after college doing my part to shut down the Seabrook, New Hampshire nuclear power plant. When my affinity group ended up on the front line, peacefully blocking the front gate, we were attacked by Rhode Island state troopers. It was all over the news. I knew my grandfather had seen everything, and I was pretty sure once he knew I was shaken but unharmed, he would not be pleased. I went to visit him shortly afterwards, stealing myself for the lesson. I can remember exactly where I stood, pausing in the entrance to his living room and the way the sun fell on his bald pate as he sat in his favorite armchair by the front window. I saw that you people were flying the flag, he began. People fought and died for that. This was not going to go well. But then he pivoted. As you know, we disagree. But I'm proud that you're standing up for what you believe. And that was all. I went to him and he opened his arms. I'm proud of you, he repeated. I always love you. I think about that conversation these days. I think about the greatest generation and about carrying their legacy forward. I know I have strayed and I pray to find a way back to embracing despite our differences. My grandfather gave me the view. I commend to you Ambassador Samantha Power's memoir, The Education of an Idealist. As a nine-year-old, Samantha came to America from Ireland. At 23, she writes, she realized just how American I had become. Beyond my accent, I now thought like an American, reacting to problems in the world by asking myself, 
What, if anything, can we, America, do about it? And I also wanted to vote. She wildly overprepared for the citizenship test using a baron's guide to create flashcards with every conceivable question she might be asked about American government and civics. And needless to say, she passed the test. My parents had been sworn as, in as Americans the previous year, but I didn't think to invite them to the courthouse in Brooklyn for the naturalization ceremony. However, the other new Americans participating treated the day like the momentous event that it was, donning their finest suits and dresses and surrounding themselves with family. During our collective oath of allegiance, we pledged, I will support and defend the Constitution and the laws of the United States of America against all enemies, foreign and domestic. Looking around the courtroom, seeing the emotion ripple from the faces of those whose hands were raised, I was struck by what America meant as a refuge and as an idea. All of us gathered that morning had reached the modern promised land. We weren't giving up who we were or where we came from. We were making it American. I hugged an elderly woman from Central America on my left and a tall man from Russia on my right. We were all Americans now. This scene reminds me so much of what I cherish about this country. Samantha Power gave me the view. Beloved spiritual companions, who gave you the view? May we look for the tree with the lights and be lamps unto ourselves. May we guard against being the kind of person we do not want to be. May we spend our power. May we ask ourselves what we can do. Take risks for what we believe. Respectfully disagree. Say, I love you. May we see clearly. May we live for a vision. Amen. Thank you for listening to this week's podcast. We would love to hear from you via email at office at ASCBoston.org or through our Facebook page. If you would like to support the good work of Arlington Street Church, please consider a contribution by checking the mail or through our website, ASCBoston.org.